Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. All right, guys, what's going on? Joe McCall, the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. And we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, land investing on this episode. And I have a friend who's been on the show before. His name is Willie, Willie G. And we're going to be talking about some new things that he's doing, new since we talked to him last. And it's going to be pretty cool and exciting. And I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this podcast. So stay tuned. But first, let me remind you, this podcast is brought to you by my book, Recession Proof Real Estate Investing. And one of the things I talk about in this book are the new opportunities that are coming our way in this recession. And we have actually started doing more land deals than we have in a long, long time. We're starting to see an uptick and an increase in motivated seller leads and a ton of interest in buying the properties that we're selling. And I talk about that here in the book, Recession Proof Real Estate Investing. It's more than just a book. And I have a lot of cool things in here, like it's all in color too, right? So I give you the signs that I use. I even give you, you look here, the uh, the letters that I use to find the buyers and to find sellers. It's a book that comes with a mind map, comes with some videos. It comes with my spreadsheets and scripts, uh, what we say to sellers, how we make our offers. So there's, you know, they say with every crisis comes an equal amount of opportunity. So you can get this book right now for just seven bucks at reiproof.com, reiproof.com. Go check it out. And again, one of the things I talk about on there is land investing because that's something that we're doing right now, me and my boys, my two teenage boys. So let's just dive right in right now. Willie G, how are you, my man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show again, Joe. Appreciate it. I'm glad you're here. I don't remember how long ago it was. Maybe when you're talking, I'll look here to see how long ago it was when I had you on before, but um, you're doing some pretty cool things. You know, you were doing some deals, then you started doing some teaching and coaching, and then you just said, you know what? I, I have to focus on land. And your business has, since you've been focusing on land, has really exploded. And so I'm excited about it. And so I reached out to you and said, let's do a podcast and talk about what's going on with your business. Because I'd like to learn a little bit about what you're doing as well. Let me give you all listening to the podcast a little history here before I start asking Willie some questions. I have two sons who are 16 and 15 years old. And for the last year or two, they've been really interested in getting into real estate. One of the challenges with creative types of deals that we like to do, you know, lease options or something. It's a little hard for a teenager, and maybe I'm underestimating them, but to like really understand and explain and negotiate with sellers these creative types of deals, right? And so one of the things I've liked about land investing that I've been interested in for a long, long time is like you can send out mail, you can actually make offers before ever even talking to the sellers, right? I thought, well, I could have my boys do that. When we, we can send out mail, the lead comes in, it goes to voicemail. My boys can do the research. They look at actives. They look at sold comps. We make an offer at 20, 25% of whatever the value is today. And they send the offer and we don't even have to talk to the sellers until after they've gotten our offer. And we make these offers ridiculously low. It doesn't matter almost whether we make a mistake or not. Now we still do some due diligence. If they accept the offer, I have some friends of mine that used to do houses with me and they want to do land instead. So they're helping me sell the properties once we get it under contract. So my boys are making a ton of money. We just did a deal. (laughs) We bought it for 10 grand. We sold it for 33 
And after I, I get, I get reimbursed because I pay them an hourly wage. You know, I get reimbursed that labor I pay them. I get reimbursed my direct mail, and then my partners who sell the land they get a certain percent of the profit. But my one of my boys got almost ten thousand dollars for sitting down working. You know now over, you know, they're, they're spending hours and hours on it, but like that one deal, he only spent maybe 15 minutes on it. Right. And he's getting a $10,000 check and the guy's not even, well, he just turned 16. My other son got a check for like $4,000. And then we've got 10, no, no, we've got eight properties right now under contract that we are starting to market and advertise. Two of those eight, we're already advertising. We already have a lot of buyers interested in them. And the other cool thing is this, my other son, and I'm not going to name names because I don't. I'm trying to protect their privacy and all that. But one of them is going to be getting like twenty three thousand dollars in profits, and the kid is just. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Like, am I, uh, maybe I need to be keeping more of these profits, right? But you know, if these deals sell, I'm not going to count my eggs. But that's only three of the eight deals right now. He's going to get a nice check in the next one or two months for like twenty two, twenty three thousand dollars. So anyway. That's the intro to this podcast because Willie G is doing a lot of really cool things right now. And I love land investing. There's a lot of new opportunity right now in real estate. And if you're, you know, if you're just looking for another stream of income, uh, another potential way to make some money while you do houses, you know, I'm not telling you to start a whole new business, but, you know, take a look at what we're doing here and what things are, what's going on. And I think you're going to be really intrigued. So Willie, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thank you. And I like what you're talking about um, getting your kids involved with it. And I don't, I don't think it, like real estate needs to be complicated for the average real uh, real estate investor. I think land is a heck of a lot simpler than other niches like wholesaling, house flipping. And when you remove the structure, you remove remove a lot of complexity. Everything gets to be a lot more simple. And I don't know why just because you're you're middle-aged means you need more complexity. I think even if you're middle-aged, you'd like <laughs> some more simplicity and to start a business that a 16-year-old can do. And it sounds like your, your sons are doing very well. And if your sons can do well, I don't, I don't see why anyone else who's a bit older, more experienced, has more skills, can't can't get involved and, and do extremely well. So I don't think just because you're getting into real estate needs to be complicated and you should start in a niche that is so easy that a 16-year-old can make a $23,000 check or something along those lines. So yeah, I think, I think it's great what you're doing with your kids. Well, it's funny too, because they're getting ready to take the, they're studying for the college prep. Uh, they're taking college prep classes for the tests, ACT, SAT, or whatever. And you can't even take them right now anyway, but it's sometimes I get annoyed. Like, do you really, really want to go to college or are we, tell, are, we, are we forcing you to go to college or like, is it even necessary? And why do we have to take these stupid tests that are just pointless? Anyway? So anyway, I, I kind of got to have to fix my little crummy attitude a little bit and stop complaining and whining. But man, the, these boys, even if they go to college, which I think they will, I hope they do. I don't know, but who cares? <laughs> even if they go out and get a degree, I suspect that they get a job in the real world if they do. <laughs> They're going to look back and think, man, it was sure easy making 20 something thousand dollars, just making, sending some offers to vacant land deals in the middle of nowhere. Right? So, okay, Willie, let's backtrack a little bit. What is land investing? And, and in a broad picture thing, uh, how do you buy and sell or flip vacant land? Yeah, so we buy, so I guess let's start with buy. We buy vacant land by sending out direct mail offer letters directly to owners of properties. So you're and sending offer letters. You're making them an offer on that first correct. letter. So no cold calling, no driving for dollars, direct mail offer letters. We will put a put the price of what we want to buy the property in that offer letter. And then we literally will find the hottest markets in the country, the, the areas where we find there's the most activity, there's the most demand, most people buying property. We will 
literally draw a circle around that area and then we will mail that area and offer prices because once we buy it, we want to sell it fast. So we're going to, we're going to send out direct mail offer letters. We're going to circle that area, find all the owners in that area and pretty much blast, blast out mail and, and, and bones will start raining. So that's how we buy property. Super cool. I want to talk more about the details of how you do that in a minute. Now, when you buy them, what do you do with them? Are you, are you buying them with cash? Yeah. So we buy them cash. So we will literally close the deal. We'll hire a mobile notary. In many cases, sometimes we'll close with title. I would say about 25% of our deals with title closes. 75% we're literally sending out a mobile notary to have meet with the seller and sign the deed. Um, and we will literally give them a cashier check. The notary will give them the deed and then we'll send it to the county for recording. So we save a ton of money on having no realtor commissions, having no title fees, and just making the transaction as simple as possible for the seller. And that, that's part of the the takeaway that the seller and, and the, the value proposition for the seller is just we make it so easy for them and they get a net amount um, on that cashier check. So we pay it cash and then we're going to go and turn around and try to sell it online through various websites and ultimately drive traffic to our website, and guide customers towards a checkout on our website. Most of the time people are checking out with a credit card and most of the time people are making payments on terms. And what's great about this niche over any other niche in real estate is, is our margins. Our margins are by far the best aspect of this business. So an average deal for us kind of looks like we're making a $3,000 cash offer and we will turn around and sell it for around eighteen dollars to $20,000 on terms and just do it again and again and again. And the diligence process in the land niche is, it takes, I mean, you've, you've done it, Joe, it, it takes all but, I mean, for from our perspective, it takes, we pull up a property, throw it on data trees and software that we use, we look at it and we say, okay, fine or pass. And, and then we'll send it to diligence. So it literally takes my business partner and I about two minutes to do our diligence on property. Maybe we'll pull up comps. If we know the area, we won't even pull up comps. So because the diligence process is so fast, you don't got to go on site to inspect the property. You don't have to worry about foundation issues. You don't have to worry about tenants squatting in properties or not make, making monthly rent payments. Because that diligence process is so fast, we're able to just do it again and again and again and again and really scale the thing. And so that the margins, like 85% margins, 83% margins is kind of where we stand. And like, I can't, I don't think there's any other niche in real estate, like even in any business, like 83% margins is really, really high. So, I mean, those are kind of the the fundamentally the, the best things about this niche, in my opinion, and why I think it's much better than getting involved with houses. The scalability can do it from anywhere. Choose the hottest markets. It's all done remotely. I mean, there's so many good things I could say about it and frankly can't say enough. I'm so, writing down my I'm writing down my questions here. So if you Yeah, I know I, I mentioned down. a lot of different things and we can go <laughs> deep into any of those topics. So happy to go deeper in whatever you want to wherever you want to bring this conversation. Well, let's let's talk about how many deals are you guys doing a month right now on average? So we are the past four weeks it's been so we're, we're doing about 60 deals a month right now so the past call it three ish months i would say is 55 to 60 properties sold per month on average 50 to 60 properties sold per month correct so i mean without i, mean, I don't know many house wholesalers who are able to kind of turn out that many deals and again i think it speaks to the scalability of this niche you don't need to go on site for these properties you're not driving for dollars you're not managing a huge team people going out to make offers on properties it's much simpler much more scalable so yes but yes what is your retail and then we'll, we'll sell some wholesale as well those are separate from our wholesale what does your team look like how many people do you have so we have fairly big team at this point for two and a half years it was mostly myself and a va in the past year so i've been doing this a little over three and a half years at this point and our team right now is about 20 people about call it about 10 of them in the states and 10 of them uh, abroad in the philippines so we have i mean i could break it down to you we've got 
We've got two transaction coordinators out here in our Chicago office or over in that room right there. We've got a sales guy, customer relationship guy out here in Chicago, uh, my business partner and I are out here in Chicago. And then we've got call it five or six other salespeople in the, in the States. We've got a marketing team in the States. And then we've got an army of help abroad who's doing all of our diligence, all our property postings, doing everything, doing all the paperwork, uh, managing logistics and closings. And each person out here in, in our office here has a, um, a direct virtual assistant help who makes their job easier by handling all of their effectively grunt work, whether that's calling sellers on the buy side or talking to buyers, making sure we're collecting payments on time to manage billing. And so we've, we've structured it. So we've got a lot of, a lot of help to assist our, our, our workers in the States. Okay, cool. Let's talk about you're buying these these lots, you're sending out blind offers. What percent of value are you buying these properties? What kind of discounts are you looking for? So we we typically look for call it 80, 80% discount, 80 to 85% discount. And so call it closer to 80. So we'll probably pick it up at 20 to 25 cents in the dollar and we'll put throw it on a cash price on a cash basis at close to retail. And then our margins come because uh, part, largely because of owner financing, because we're able to offer people effectively owner finance loans. So our margins come out to be quite a bit bigger than what they would be if we were self-cash. So that's kind of where that 80, 80 to 85% margin comes from. What, what percent of your deals do you sell with owner financing? What percent do you sell for cash? So at this point, I would say it's probably 90% owner finance. So around there. So we, we, we largely focus on that. That's where we've found that like, so there's a big universe of, of buyers, small universe of buyers who are able to pay cash in kind of the niche that we're focused in. And so by like offering easy terms and, and really funneling them to our site on uh, doing all those things, we are able to sell a lot more property. So we really, there's a million ways you can do this niche. You can do only cash deals. You can focus on higher end. You can focus on lower end cash deals. You can focus on different ranges, different markets for owner financing. What we've chosen to focus on, what we've found to be very scalable is offering uh, owner financing to individuals who want to want to buy cash in the outskirts of, uh, for a lot of in the outskirts of towns. Okay, cool. When you're buying a property, when what what determines whether you're closed with a title company or not? Are you doing your so you're doing your own due diligence? Is it a certain price point or a certain size? Yeah, it's generally higher price deals. Anything like ten grand or higher, we'll we'll outsource to a title company. It's under ten grand, we'll most likely close it ourselves. Yeah, I'd say that's kind of the range. Certainly, something we're looking to sell north of thirty thousand, and we want cash on it. We're gonna we're gonna hire that out to a title company. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You're selling these with owner financing. So give us a typical deal that you guys do. You, it's worth what you buy it for what, and you sell it for what. So a typical deal for the owner finances is buy for literally three thousand dollars and sell for I would say call it eighteen to twenty thousand on on. Term. So it's probably worth eighteen to it's probably worth twenty. Probably, so we'll probably say we'll probably put it on on the market cash basis of fourteen fifteen thousand, and then the, the terms come out to be a little bit higher because they're not paying they're paying over a period of five six seven years. So when you advertise it, are you advertising it for two prices, one cash price and one owner financing price? Correct. Correct. So there's two different prices. Okay. Why do you do that? Why not just advertise it for one price owner financing? Because that's what you want to do anyway with these, it sounds like. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not adverse to doing that just largely because 90 plus percent of our deals are sold through owner finance. I'm not, I don't, I don't think it's like, it would be a bad idea to just offer one price and just totally ignore the cash price. If they want, if they want to make a deal, just give us a call and we'll, we'll make a deal on the cash price. But so I'm not adverse to that. I'm not, um, we, we just haven't been doing it that way. Okay. So it takes a lot of capital to buy these properties. And you know you're selling fifty or sixty a month, but you, you know maybe only ten of those are on for cash, right? Are you guys using your own money? Are you 
you know, did you bring on private investors to get the capital to acquire these properties? So yeah, for a while, I was just using my own capital for call it two, two and a half years. And then I formed this new partnership with my current business partner, Paul. And, and then I, I continue to use some additional capital. And then we've got some investors involved. And then, all, and then ultimately, now we're raising a fund to continue to, to buy and sell. What do you tell the the new investor who's you know starting to have some success, starting to pick up a lot of deals? They're running out of cash to buy them. What are some of the things that you recommend to to folks to get the money to buy, start buying these properties? Yeah, so I think if you have a budget of around five thousand dollars, you could you could literally start buying these lots at five hundred bucks, selling them for call twenty five hundred, three thousand, pretty regularly. I don't think that's I mean those margins aren't super crazy at that price point. So I think you could if you could afford the mail, you could start doing that. Alternatively, there's a few other ways you can get started. One, you could find investor capital. You could just find, you could send out mail, find some deals. And then once you find a good deal, you could, you could even set it at a higher price points on the property. And once you find the deal, then you could, you could look for them and say, Hey, I got this deal, post in a bunch of Facebook groups and just say, Hey, real estate groups, just say, Hey, I found this deal, land deal. It's worth call it 50. I'm buying it for 10. I'll split profits 50, 50 or 60, 40, however you want to structure it, 60, 40 in favor of the investor. That would be another alternative. So if you're strapped on cash, look for investor money or do small deals, or you can, you can look to take out some, take out some debt. That's maybe less. Uh, if you have a job, I, I'd feel comfortable saying take out some debt because you could, you have the recurring income on your, on, on your, on your W2 wages or whatever it is. So I'd feel comfortable to, like suggesting that's not a bad avenue. Don't don't overlever yourself, but I think those are a few different ways to do it. I would imagine it wouldn't be that hard to find private investors for these deals because their margins are so big. Yeah, uh, you could also you could also double close on deals, so you could get a property under contract just in the contract. Uh, and one in our, that we we have available is it provides a six months diligence period, so you you've got six months to close, and you can, and it provides marketable equitable title while you, while you have that contract. Yeah. And so if you have it, you can start marketing it. Once you find a buyer, then that's really easy to double close on um, because you've already got the buyer. You. you you have it under contract at X price, you, you get spread in between there and you can entice any investor to put up capital for all two weeks or whatever to close the deal or even just do a double close and close the same day. Yeah, nice. We've done that sometimes. Most of our deals will just, I'll use my own money, we'll buy it. We sell most of all of our deals for cash. So get the cash back right away. It turns pretty quickly. What's the average size lot that you're looking for and where are you looking for lots? Talk about like, is it Within a, an hour or two from the city, or infill lots, more rural and vacant, the better. Yeah, so we'll we'll buy anywhere. So we'll buy anything from as little as five thousand square feet. We try not to buy anything smaller than that. Up until I don't really buy anything above forty acres, just because. Yeah, we, we we like to the sweet spot of under above 500, 5,000 square feet, less than 40, 40 acres or less. It doesn't really matter to us. The only thing that matters is the data and understanding where there's a lot of activity, where there's a lot of sales happening. And if there's a good market within our price point that, that kind of fits what we're looking for, we'll buy it. It doesn't matter if it's outside of the town. It doesn't matter if it's super rural. If there's a good market for there and we think we could sell it, uh, we'll, we'll try to buy it there. So you'll do infill lots in small towns? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've, we've hit plenty of infill lots for sure. I know some guys that focus just on that and they buy these little tiny lots in these little tiny towns and they've got tons of them on their website. And I'm thinking they've got to be buying these things for like a hundred dollars, 500 bucks max. So you're saying there's a market for that. You can actually sell these things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Into, into lots for like 500 bucks. Yeah. Uh, we've, uh, you, there's, there's some really, really cheap 
subdivision neighborhoods. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Whether or not you actually want to live there is a different question. There's a lot of empty subdivisions out there, many states, many counties, many cities. And like some people had plans to build there, do things there. And then whatever, for whatever reason, people just stop building. Like you go to Arkansas, there's like empty subdivisions for days. Um, you can buy some, pick up some really cheap lots over there. What about an empty lot in an older subdivision, homes that were built in the 50s, 40s or 50s? Yeah. Do you buy vacant lots there? Yeah. No, I, 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 would, I would just, the only thing is I would just look at the data, make sure, check uh, check the market, make sure there's activity happening there. And if uh, if there's sales happening, then I have no issue. I'll buy some plots in Jupiter if, if there's some sold sale activity up there. What are, what are some of the places you like to go to find activity, find the data for, you know, is it that the investors or people are buying these vacant lots? Yeah. So we often use Zillow. We use Landwatch. We could use Redfin if the data is available there. Uh, Realtor.com has some data. Uh, we'll try to leverage whatever resources we can. Lens of America also has data. There's plenty of, plenty of free sites out there with all, all this uh, data available. You just got to find it and leverage it and, and then kind of choose those, those good markets. Are you looking for active, active listings or sold listings? Sold so I'm looking for... Yeah, both. So I will generally find markets with where there, there's a lot of cuts by looking at what's for sale. So if there's a subdivision with a lot of cuts, you'll be able to find on Landwatch where there's a lot of properties selling and you can narrow that down by cities. Look at the cities in the states that have the most property for sale and that'll give you an idea of whether or not there's a lot of cuts and we'll use... What um, do you mean by cuts? There's a lot of cuts. Just different lots. Okay. Like, Subdivision has 3,000 quarter acre lots, okay, something okay. like that. You'll be able to find that pretty easily because there's going to be a lot of property for sale in that area. Um, and then we'll leverage other sources, Redfin, Realtor, Zillow, just to see if there's some activity happening in there on the sale side. And we'll, we'll try to compare the for sale data with the sold data and we'll, we'll choose choose our markets based on that way. Super cool. Um, some people are probably wondering like, okay, you're making your offers at 20 cents on the dollar. You're, aren't you going to offend some people? Aren't you going to make them really mad? Like... How can you get away with that? Yeah. So I think with any any niche in real estate, the main thing you're going to be doing is buying this kind of property. So in any niche in real estate, no matter how you're sourcing it, you might offend somebody if you're making an offer on their property and they think it's worth more. So I don't think that's unique to this niche by any means. And so, I mean, if you're adverse to that, you're worried about people bugging you. We send all of our calls to a call service. It's called Pat Live. I'm sure you've heard of it. Other real estate niches use it. Um, and they pretty much just answer the call. We give them a script. And... They say, hey, what, what county is this in? What property was the APN? Uh, what's the size? Are you accepting the offer? Are the taxes current? Are there any liens? That kind of thing that funnels to us. And so we don't deal with any of that. And uh, we're just reviewing deals saying, yeah, buy, sell, or buy, pass, buy, renegotiate because of no access, whatever. So that's kind of how we've, we've built, up, built it. So we, we're not dealing with any of that anymore. Cool. So when um, you get a property and it comes in and it has an HOA or it doesn't have road access, what are some of the deal killers for you when you're looking at deals? So if there's any notable liens or if it's an HOA and there's back liens, that's, I mean, it's not deal killer, but if like back taxes, HOA dues that are passed that are not current, water fees that are not current, we will, we will absolutely have to deduct that from the purchase price. If there's an HOA, if the seller's not cool with that, then we'll likely pass in the deal. If there is, if there are HOA fees that are called north of 500 bucks, and that's a red flag for me. I'm not super interested in paying that if they're less than 500 bucks. I'll probably mess around with it. Or if they are over 500 bucks, I'll, I'll have to make a really low offer to it, really entice myself to have to go through that headache. Um, so those, that's not necessarily a deal, deal killer. Um, yeah. But those are some of the 
things to look out for. Road, properties without road access is worth considerably less to us. So we're not as willing to buy those, but we will if we get it at a good enough price. And I don't know that there's any other deal killers that I can think of. If it's if the terrain is really bad, then I'm not super interested. If it's very hilly or mountainous, I'll I don't like buying those, um, even if you can get them pretty cheap. It's just I, I don't want to hold those. They will sell, and, and you'll you can you can make some money on it, but it's not it's not really what our strategy is. So try to keep it flat. Try to keep it with the road. Try to keep it with no HOA liens on it or back taxes, and that that's generally all the diligence that we need. If, if it crosses those and it's in a good market, then we'll almost certainly buy it. Very cool. We, we talked about your markets. You're looking for properties that are in. There's a lot of activity. Are are you still in? Is it like? Is there like? Are you trying to be in an area where someone wants to go on vacations, or in the mountains, at the lakes, or are you buying closer to the city? Does it matter? So we buy in all of the above. So we'll buy out in out in the mountains. We'll buy in the desert. We'll buy in subdivisions. We'll buy next to houses. Uh, we'll buy ones with utilities. We'll buy some with not. So we're, we've got a mixed bag. And so a lot of people don't like to buy, call it desert property, but if, it, if there's a good market for it and there's people buying it, don't, we don't really discriminate against it. Uh, we'll, we'll take it. And as long as people are interested in moving on there, doing stuff with it, buying, speculating with the land, we'll, we'll do that. So we're not super picky about what the real estate actually looks like. We're more data centric, data focused. And, and that's kind of how we match the properties we buy. Well, would you, you know, would you pass on a deal that you bought for like we we passed on some deals where we're only going to make if we sell it cash we're only going to make like two or three grand and I know that's it sounds kind of lame but we, we just like ah, it's not worth our time right do you is there a deal that's like too small of a margin or profit that's just not worth your time you pass on it yeah so I don't think I mean we're past the point where we're buying stuff for five hundred and selling it for three thousand we I would say we're probably not going to do a deal unless we make call it seven eight thousand anymore seven um, or eight thousand minimum profit. Yeah. I mean, we have so many leads in our database right now. We probably have like 200, 300 properties in our database right now that we can buy. So like, why why mess with the, the bad properties? We're, we're in a very powerful position to pick and choose whatever lots we want to buy. So Good yeah. for you, man. What what uh, About how many offers do you send a week? Uh, that's a good question. I would say we've probably sent on average, call it 20,000 units over the past several months. So I'd say we're probably in that range. Um, and, and so about a 10,000 a month, 2,500 offers... A week? Sorry, um, we're pricing out four to five thousand a week. So call it like twenty thousand a month has been four or five thousand offers a week. Yeah, that's awesome. So we'll send out a lot of mail. I mean, right now, it's like we'll we'll, we'll probably send close to that this month because we're about to send out a big mailer. Uh, next couple months, we might taper it down a little bit. Our, we were looking at our database the other day. There's like, it funnels from Pat Live into our database, our CRM, we use Monday.com. And we, you, you, we'll, I'll ask you more about that in a minute, but go ahead, yeah. Yeah, so we'll pick and choose. And like right now, we've got like 20 different counties and like 200, 300 different properties in there that we could like tick, buy, tick, pass past five, five. So we, and we just don't have the time to go do that right now. So we're probably, and I was just looking at our, our pet live bill yesterday or like not bill uh, uh, record. And there's like 43 calls. And it's been, it's been like that every single, every other day is like 40, 50 calls. So we're in that range. And, and so we're so many leads coming in right now. Like I don't see us continuing to send out 20,000 a month, but I mean, we'll taper a little bit, but that we like sending out a lot of mail because then we're in a position of power and be able to choose not just between like 10, 15 deals, but like hundreds of deals, whatever we want. And we're trying to close 25, 30 properties a week. So very cool. we think it's a very powerful asset to have is that database. And if you're 
you're skipping out in the mail, then uh, you're, you're going to be reaching for bad deals and trying to justify buying bad deals. When with this niche, it's not like house wholesaling. It's not like house flipping where deals are harder to come by. It's not that crazy to send out. I mean, it, it, the mail is expensive, but from like what you make on a single deal and the number of deals that you can do, the mail cost is negligible. So we, we think it's important to send out a lot of mail, have a lot of interest in leads. You're using monday.com for your database, right? Yeah. Yes. One of our databases. So yeah, it'll... Pat Live, scripts, we'll have the, the virtual assistants scrub that list, throw it into Monday. And then we have a system where it's either buy, pass, uh, or renegotiate. And we have to explain. And then the virtual assistants will go back and renegotiate with a template saying, hey, this property doesn't have road access. We can't offer you 5000 We can offer you 3000 for this reason. And then that'll get populated into Paul and me, review it and that kind of thing. And then once we approve it, uh, the VAs will add it to our other CRM, which hosts all of our properties. Our other CRM has over a thousand properties in it. And that, that's kind of where we're under contract, closing on properties, listing properties, they're on the market and then sold cash, sold owner finance, paid off cash. And so that's how we classify everything. So we've got the way we're organized is uh, the reason we've been able to scale. And we wouldn't have been able to hit this level if we weren't super organized. But as you get started, don't let it overwhelm you. I mean, we're at a level that um, I was nowhere near even a year ago. So, and there's plenty of deals to be had. You don't need to be this organized when you're getting started. It's just at the point of scale. And you could be doing a couple of deals a week or a couple of deals a month and just having it be in Excel. I was in Excel for two years. So don't, don't think that you need to get Pat Live. Don't think you need to get fancy CRMs or softwares because you don't. You can, you can answer the calls yourself. You could, and, and you, you probably should do it as you're getting started. You should be answering the phone calls from talking to sellers, negotiating with sellers. You should be doing all that up front. Maybe you should take notes on a notepad like, I don't want anyone to who's watching yeah. to think that you need any of this stuff because you don't. And um, it's only at the point of scale where you need to start to get really organized. That's um, a real good point. So real good point. don't let any of what I'm like talking about make you fearful. I would say, listen to Joe's kids who are doing this, making $23,000 in a deal. And <laughs> I think that's kind of the, I mean, you don't need, you don't need a ton of real estate. You don't need any real estate background. You don't need a lot of technical, you really don't need any technical ability. Maybe, and you just need to be able to read a market, which basically anyone can do. But I guess more importantly, have the courage to go actually buy these properties and then market and sell them and then keep your head in there when, when things right. aren't selling, if things go wrong. So, uh, yeah, that's so important to understand because people, you know, they get overwhelmed with the technical details. I need Pat Live. What? I need VAs. I need Monday.com. What's your other CRM that you're using after Monday? Airtable. Airtable. It's yeah. kind of like Podio. And I got to set all this stuff up and you get overwhelmed by that. No, I tell people all the time, if you just need a pen and paper. <laughs> that's how I got started. Not, I didn't like computers, but I was on the computers all day at work. I didn't want to be on the computers in the evening, right? So I would get, I had four manila folders, one for blank lead sheets, one for hot leads, warm leads, and cold leads. Yeah, there you go. Every time a lead came in, it would go into one of those three folders. And I would write down what the next thing I had to do was. Every day I would first go through my hot leads and then my warm leads and my cold leads, right? So yeah, you don't have to have the technology to do all that. It, I've customized REI Simple to handle our land deals. And um, it's, it's pretty killer. It's amazing how it works. I love it. But you don't have to have that to get started in any kind of real estate that you're doing. Let me ask you some more questions here, if you don't mind. Your owner financing that you're doing, what's an average like interest rate you charge or the monthly payments that come from that? Sure. So we, we charge 0% interest. So we make that easy. And the average monthly is about $250 a month. $250 a month. Yeah. So we uh, recently made our payback. So the month we need to get our money back to be, call it under 
12 months. So the, the monthly payment is probably going to be maybe 250 to 275 now. So we're trying to get a little bit more months and just get everything paid off a little bit faster. Oh, so you're, you're only, you're only owner financing these things for under 12 months. Sorry. No, that's our payback. So the average owner finance length is probably six to seven years. Six to seven years. Okay. Yeah. But you get your money back in 12, 12 months. months. Yeah. 12 months or less. What are you getting on average for down payment? Average is very low. So it's basically what the monthly fee is going to be. So we just want, we want to get them in the door and get them paying a monthly rate. So we try to keep it super low. If you're cash strapped and you need a, you need the capital to churn and you're trying to get started and you're like, I can't afford to pay $3,000 in property and get my money back in 12 months, then I would say try to get your money back on the down payment or just do cash deals. So don't, don't focus on uh, our model as much. I mean, we were at the point where we're sophisticated investors at this point. So if, if you need to get do cash deals or just uh, focus on uh, getting your down, getting your cost basis on a down payment. Okay, cool. Um, do, do you track your default rates? How, what are your default rates on these owner financing notes? Yeah. So right now we have the metrics that five and a half percent of people are late right now. Five percent? Yeah, just over 5% are late at the current moment. We just had our weekly meeting. That's kind of where the numbers roll out right now. Um, I would say the number of people who default in their first year is under 20%. After that, it's really, really small because at that point, they don't want to lose everything they put into the property. Uh, and at that point, it, it frankly doesn't make too much of a difference from our end. So we don't have to stress about it too much because like I said, 12 months is how we how quickly we get our, our cash back. And so we'll have our cash back from the property at that point. Cool. So about 20% on average, you're saying default within the first year. Yeah, under, under 20%. So over 80% will will hang on. Yeah. Okay. What are, what are some of the main KPIs that you track? You know, if you could have a TV monitor on your wall, yep. what are some of the most important metrics you're following? I will pull up our scorecard right now. Oh, so I love scorecards. Yes. All of our KPIs are right here. Property sold, total deal value, weekly receivables, new sales, lead sales. I mean, I could go down this list. It's pretty long. Let's see. I'll pick out the important ones. Number of prop, new properties listed for sale. I think that's a good one. Weekly site traffic, median days on market, number of properties purchased each week, number of title deals closed, number of buyers late, number of buyers in contracts, number of people defaulted, cash collected through our processor. Those are those are some of the main ones we have. What are your most important metrics? Like if you could only look at one or two numbers every day, what would those be? Our weekly receivables added, I think is very important. Our total deal value from the week is very important. Is that deal value of what you purchased for the week? So I would say that's sold. So like total terms to be collected over the life of that loan. But I think even more importantly, that is weekly receivables added. So we have weekly meetings and these are the numbers that we're looking at. The amount of receivables we're adding to our, like that we're adding to our book of receivables each week is- This is additional uh, receivables. Additional receivables added to our, to our recurring revenue. Now this is a personal question. You don't have to go in too deep in the details, but how is your cash flow? So cash flow is, it's good. I mean, obviously with real estate, you need a lot of cash to grow a business. So I would say the margins and kind of, if you compare it to um, cap rates and like you're looking at other niches, say you're looking at apartment buildings or you're looking at any other niche that like, I I don't even really, (laughs) apartments, uh, whatever. Multi-families, storage units, mobile home parts. Mobile home, whatever. Cap rates are called sub 10% on average, right? Would you agree with that? So with this niche, I mean, if you compare it, like you're getting all your cash back in 12 months on a deal. So we our, our median days on market is under 30 days. And so we get our cash back under 12 months. So like call it, you get 100% of your cash back on these deals within 12 months. So Which is crazy. Like, there apples. is no other real estate 
model where you get 100% of your cash back yeah. in 12 months on average. Yeah. So your operating income divided by the purchase price of an apartment building, you're going to get your cash back in, call it, I don't even know, 20 years even sometimes. So this, you're getting it back in one year. So I would say cash flow compared to other real estate niches, it could not be better. So it's really, really good. And if you, I mean, if you compare it to maybe some other niches like service businesses, it might not be as good, but compared to real estate, like cash flow is phenomenal. Yeah. What are some of your big revenue goals or your business goals? Uh, where do you want to be this year in five years? So our goal is to hit uh, over 10 million in deal value for the year. And we should not have any issue with that, I don't think. We're, we're certainly on pace at this point. So, and beyond that, I mean, we just want to keep... Is that, I'm sorry, let me go back. Is that $10 million in incoming revenue or is that $10 million, You want to own $10 million worth of real estate? So, the, from the year, from the 12 months, having a deal value. So, like, uh, the total term, like, payments to be collected to be over okay. $10 million. Okay. So... Um, that's fantastic. So, that that's the goal. So, we'll have a big book of receivables... Um, at the end of the year. So that, that's kind of the goal. And then beyond that is really to just grow it, grow it from there, continue raising money, continue buying, continue selling. And I don't see why we can't scale this to, to 50 in, uh, in the next few years. So we'll just grow it from there. What do you see happening right now with the recession? How's that affecting you? Um, and what are you predicting going forward past November, you know, past the election? Yeah. So we've, I mean, COVID has actually been a in terms of a demand standpoint, it's, it's been very good yeah. for business because people are looking to get out of cities and build and do things elsewhere. So we've actually seen an increased demand. We've hit we've had record months each month for the past several months, and we've gotten a lot of feedback from buyers that they're looking to buy because of looking to get away from areas. And got a lot of feedback from realtors saying they've never seen hotter a hotter market in their careers, and they've been doing this 20, 30 years. Some of them. So I think overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, and we talk to investors all the time. Everyone, everyone seems to be doing very, very well. So I would say the this particular recession has turned out very well for us, given just given the, I mean, what what people are looking to do now. So that is a positive for us. I I I think um, going forward next year, years following years, I don't see why it wouldn't continue. I think people are going to continue to want space, move away from cities. People are fed up paying price high prices for living in urban areas. People want to move out of LA, move out of New York, move out of Chicago, move out of Dallas, whatever. Find some find some locations where they can move and have some space and be able to breathe. So I think that's a trend that will continue. I think this niche is, is poised to continue to grow. So I don't, I don't see any reason it would stop. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. Willie, if you had $250,000 burning a hole in your pocket right now, if you had $250,000 in cash, would you use that money to go and you wanted to invest it in a real estate asset? Would you go and you know buy a multifamily? Would you buy a storage unit? Would you buy a couple duplexes free and clear? What would you do with that money? I would throw it in the cap rate that is 100% versus the cap rate of 6%. So I would <laughs> throw land, it in, right? I would throw it into vacant land, yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't lend the money out and just be the bank? I mean, what margin are you going to get on that? I mean, you could get you can get 12% yield. It's 8% yields. I'd rather get 100% yields and uh, <laughs> have recurring revenue over that's just pure cash over the next six six years after that. Yeah. So I think I'm big in, I'm very bullish in this niche. I'd clearly um, throw it all into lands. I, I can't get the margin in land anywhere else in real estate. And um, yeah, so I would blow through that pretty fast and then look to raise some money and, and do it again and pay back investors and just keep the, keep the process. You know, it's, you know, it's interesting too. Um, I, I talked to a, a guy, you know, a friend of mine who 
did has been doing real estate since doing vacant land investing since early 2000s. And um, I asked him, I said, when the recession hit last time in 08 and 09, what was the worst the default rates? What were the lowest? How, how high did your default rates go? What was the worst? And he said it was about 35%. But remember this, he said, I owned all that land. It didn't matter. I didn't have a mortgage payment to pay, right? Yep. I didn't have utilities to pay. I had a little bit of taxes, but what's taxes on a five acre lot in the middle of nowhere, Arizona, right? Yep. So even if default rates go up, it's very unlikely that it'll get worse than 35%. Even if it got to 50% default rates, you, you own the land, right? Yeah, you own it. Everything that's gone in, they they paid in and there's no reason. No, I, I, oh, yeah. I sleep very well at night. Um, and, and, and even if, if that happens, okay, maybe you slow down your acquisitions. You know, maybe you kind of reduce some of your overhead and your staff or, and your marketing and all that. But like you could, if you shut off everything today, Willie, and didn't buy any more properties and you, you know, unfortunately had to let everybody go, how much cash flow would you be making for the next four or five years? Do you feel comfortable? You don't have to tell me that specific number, but would you feel pretty good about that? Yeah, no, we'd feel we'd feel very comfortable. We'd have no issues. So, I mean, like like I said, I think the margins speak for themselves. So, I I mean, the business model is just so sound, and I think I think there's one thing we didn't really talk about today is is that like if people do default, it's not really like any skin off your back. It's no it's no issue because I've over, over the course of the last call it three and a half years since I've been doing this, I've probably had forty to fifty people default. I've resold basically every single one of those properties and i've had incurred zero cost of foreclosure zero legal expenses on reselling it the one situation i had i had to haul off a trailer cost me a thousand bucks so a thousand bucks out of about 40 call 40 ish people who've defaulted they've made payments of called north of 50 grand so they paid in 50 grand or more and i've had one thousand dollars in cost and resold every single one of them and the large large majority of people um, are still making payments call it yeah i mean hundreds and hundreds of people are still making payments I mean, it's the business and the business model is, is so sound under any, any angle that you look at it. So I think what you're kind of talking about this worst case scenario is not, it's not so bad. So when you finance somebody who's buying your property, do you, do you give them the deed or is it like a contract for deed, a land contract? Land contracts okay. for the large, large majority of them. Cool. Now you partnered recently with a friend named Paul. Right. He was a big, an e-commerce guy, wasn't he? Yeah. He had an Amazon business. Which was ago. doing really well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Why why did he get out of it and why was he interested in land? So he he got out of e-commerce cuz he I mean there's a lot of I mean issues with Amazon controlling the platform and taking a lot of his spread there's a ton of competition in in uh in the Amazon field there's just not it's just not that way in vacant lands and uh, a lot of headaches that just he had to deal with that are just not associated with his niche. When you have your own website, you're driving traffic to your own website, or you're just marketing on these these platforms, and you just don't have to deal with that. And, and the margins on this business are, like I said, around 80 to 85% in the Amazon field. E-commerce, it's like, I don't know, 20, 30% at the most. So I think the, the fundamentals are just very strong here. And so you guys, how'd you guys meet? So we met through, um, so his, uh, we, a mutual friend. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And you partnered together on this land investing business. Um, what did he bring to the table that you didn't have? I'm just curious. So he really nothing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's why he's not here. I yeah. No, he, uh, he had a good sales and marketing backgrounds and uh, had ideas of like growing, growing the business and hiring people. So we've, we really built this team into much bigger 
much bigger than it was when I had originally had it on my own. So it's, like I said, it was just me and a BA before, and he's got some some sales expertise I didn't have, and so we he's really been focused on the sales and helped a lot with that. And uh, so it was a, it's been a great partnership. And uh, you guys have created a course together called Land Investing Pros. Are you teach and coach people how to do the same thing. Is he more involved with that on that side of things? So he's, uh, he's all involved in everything. So reviewing deals, okay. doing everything sales and we're, we're certainly equal partners in everything we're doing. Cool. So talk about what is land investing pros? What is that? What's your goal? So land investing pros, I mean, we've got our business pretty automated where Paul and I were really only reviewing deals, sending out mail and that's really it. And so we've, we've got some time and we're like, why not? Why not? It'll be pretty easy to teach people kind of how we've done it because we've, I, I've gone through a number of different courses and I got started and a lot of them frankly lacked some of the strategy that we now have today. And we have we're doing things a lot differently in particular, choosing hot markets and uh, marketing and selling property really, really, really well and differently than anybody else. And we're like, why not just create this course and try to market and sell it and teach people kind of our system because we, we really truly believe that we're doing this better than anyone else out there. So we have put together a step-by-step course from how to choose markets, how to build your lists, how to target those lists, how to price those lists, how to get it out in the mail, how to close deals, special focus on marketing and sales. Because if you're a land investor, you got started, you know, that it's not so hard to find deals, but it's a little bit slower market on the sell side. But if you can figure out how to make that faster, you're going to do really, really well. So that is that is a core focus of our course. And then systems and scaling, that's everything that's taught in the course. includes all our templates and resources, everything that we that we use in the land business is included in the course. It also comes with three months of group coaching. We, David, our sales guy who's just walked past, he is doing those weekly calls. It helps with that. So you get everything there. So that's what we're doing now. And that's why we're doing it. Very good. And how can people get more information on land investing pros? Is it yeah, so I'd a encourage anyone, Yeah, I'd encourage anyone who's interested to join our Facebook group, uh, Land Flipping Formula. And on Facebook, Land Flipping Formula, you can also, we do have a podcast, Fire Your Boss Real Estate Podcast. Um, those are probably the best ways. You can go to our website, landinvestingpros.com. We've got a free webinar in there. There's, there's a number of different things uh, people can do. Very cool, man. I, I'm happy to uh, see you doing so well, Willie. I remember watching your videos when you first came out. I think I first heard of you from a podcast you did with Seth Williams. Okay. And um, it's it's cool to see you just explode your business, man. And uh, congratulations. Good for you. I should have worn my St. Louis Cardinals jersey today. Yeah. If I would have remembered that you're from Chicago, I would have honored you with my St. Louis Cardinals gear. But I do have, if you see in the video right there, there's a St. Louis Cardinals hat. Okay. That, that, that works. Shelf. That works. But are you a Cubs fan, by the way? I am a Cubs fan. I'm not I'm not following baseball too much, but yes, I consider myself. Uh, yeah. If uh, there were games, I'd be, I'd be going to games. Don't but. be surprised if this podcast is never published now. <laughs> I'm just <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a it's a friendly rivalry. Love Chicago. My dad grew up in Chicago. He grew up in Lake Forest. Oh, I cool. Believe. Yeah, I grew Lake up in Lake Bluff. Bluff. Aren't they right next to each other? New York City. And he uh, he'd go down to the Wrigley Field when, with his dad when he was a kid. And I remember as a young kid going to Chicago when I was a little kid. It's so freaking cold and windy in the yeah. wintertime. It's crazy. Yeah, downtown. Um, Especially downtown. I don't know what the what the buildings just like. Fun. It's, it's probably the lake. But Off, yeah. yeah. So anyway, Chicago's a cool place. Glad to see you doing so well, Willie. And guys, again, go check him out. Land Flipping Formula is the Facebook group. So go to Facebook, do a search for Land Flipping Formula, the Facebook group. You've got a YouTube channel and a podcast. Is it just called Land Investing Pros? Yeah, I think it's the podcast. Yeah, Land Investing Pros, the YouTube channel. Land Fire Boss Real Estate Podcast. 
on Hire your boss real estate podcast. Right. Cool. And then your main website where your course and they can watch a webinar landinvestingpros.com. Right. Correct. Cool. All right, man. Hey, say hello to your uh, business partner, Paul. And um, thank you for being on the uh, podcast, Willie. I'll tell him. I'll tell him how to. <laughs> is he a Cubs fan, by right, the way? It. Thanks, Joe. I don't. Is he a Cubs fan? I think he probably is. Yeah. Uh, dang it. All right. So, makes it even worse. <laughs> all right, Willie. See you later, man. Hey, all guys, right. go check out. You can get this. The, all the links that we talked about on this podcast the transcript even of this podcast and all the links and everything, you can get it at the podcast website, realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com, or you can just go to reimpodcast.com, I believe that still works, don't know. But um, you can get all the show notes, the transcripts, the links that we talked about here, and even see a video. If you're listening to this on audio, uh, you can see the video of us there as well. Thanks, Willie. We'll see you guys later. Take care. Thanks, Joe. Bye-bye.